Amen. God bless you. <laughs> Praise God. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. It's good to be lively in church. Do you agree? All right. Six of you do. All right. Praise God. Well, I agree with you six. Amen. It's good to be lively in church. We're going to look at Mark chapter 4 this evening. You know, one of the things that um, happens in my household uh, hasn't happened recently for a while, but it's, it happens from time to time. Um, and um, it is one of those things that, you know, it's a phenomenon. It happens to myself and also my wife as well. Where I don't know if it happens to you, where say you put something down in the cupboard or uh, maybe there's a, 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 a snack that you put away and you think, I'm going to have that later. Or there's a, there's a piece of chocolate in the fridge. You say, you know, I'm going to have that later. Or there's a slice of cake that's left. And you think, you know, I'm going to have that later. And then you spend all day thinking about, you know what? Yeah, that cake is waiting for me. And you just go about your business. You go about your day. Um, and then it comes time to when you say, ah, yes, the cake I've been thinking about all day. Let me just go to the cupboard and get my slice of cake. You're, you're walking to the, the cupboard, your, your lips are salivating now, and you're just thinking about, yeah, and then I'm going to do this. And you, you know, and you just, your body is prepared to receive that cake. Who knows what I'm talking about right now? <laughs> and then you go to the place. Come on, brother. You go to the place where the, you left the cake. You know you left the cake because you left it there. And you open the cupboard, gone. And you're thinking, where is that piece of cake? And then you ask your loved one, you ask your dearly beloved if you're married, or you ask your flatmate if you're there, where's my cake? <laughs> and <laughs> oh, that cake, I, I, thought, I thought no one wanted it. I just ate it. I saw it and I thought, I was, you know, I just ate it. Something rises up in you, right? You're thinking, listen, that was my cake. How dare you eat? Because there was something, you expected something. You was going there, you was expecting something, you didn't see it. And it's a joke we have, doesn't happen too often, but it happens sometimes, I do it, sometimes she does it, it's a blessing, you know. But what I thought about when I thought about that scenario, I thought about, I thought about a time where Jesus Christ, and the Bible says in Mark 11, was hungry one time. And he saw a fig tree afar. And he looked to the fig tree and said, you know what, I'm hungry. Maybe I can go and get some fruit there. He goes to the fig tree. And I always thought this was a bit harsh, but then I understand where he's coming from. I'm thinking about my scenario. He looked to the fig tree, went to the fig tree, fig through the leaves, and there was no figs. There was no fruit. And for those of you that know the Bible, what did he do next? He cursed the fig tree. And the fig tree, the Bible says, when the disciples walked past it, uh, uh, withered up. But he says, listen, let no one eat from you again. And withered up, it was dried up from the root. Uh, and I realized, I looked at that, and I was thinking, why, why so harsh? What was the reason? Because when you look at life, when you look at things, uh, uh, Jesus expects to see fruit. Um, and I find it interesting because it's not just the fruit that he wanted to eat there. He was making an illustration there. I believe that he expects to look at your life and see fruit. He expects to see what he has deposited in your life bear some fruit. And if there's nothing there, well, then there is an indictment against you. And I want to look at that uh, uh, out of a sermon of entitled uh, Fruitfulness this evening. And I want to look out of a, a well-known parable that Jesus Christ spoke in Mark chapter 4, 
We're going to read from verse number three, the actual parable. This is one of the parables that Jesus himself explains also. So we're going to read both, uh, uh, we're going to read both the parable and uh, the explanation as well. Follow along me on the screen, Mark chapter four, in your Bibles, uh, uh, verse number three. Bible says, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some, fell, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was, uh, uh, was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no crop. While others, other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30-fold, some 60 and some 100 now, Jesus already explained this parable, so I'm not about to come up with a, a cryptic kind of alternative meaning or try to be clever. I'm merely going to categorize so we can identify, we can recognize, and then prepare our hearts for, to have some good results and bear fruit. So the explanation is found in verse number 14 of our text, and this is what we're going to focus on for our sermon this evening. So verse number 14, the Bible says, The sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. After when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones that sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And verse number 20 says, but, the, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, bear fruit, some 30, some 60 and some 100 Fold. Let's pray this evening tonight. Father, we thank you for, for this opportunity, God, to hear your word. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus Christ, God, that you would speak, God, to your people. Father God, I'm praying, God, that you would help us, God, to bear fruit, oh, Father God, and fruit that will remain in Jesus' name. We all said, um, so Jesus gives the illustration here and he gives the explanation also. The, so, or the seed that is sown, the Bible says, or Jesus said, is the word, the word of God. So we see that the seed represents the word of God, the word, that same word that brought the universe into existence, the same word that does not return back void. It's the same word, come on now, that became flesh and dwelt amongst us. The word is the described as a seed in this parable. And seeds are small, but we understand that they're powerful. Can you say amen in this place? Insignificant, but they have huge impact. Seeds, we know, can have an unlimited amount of fruit. And there is nothing wrong with the seed. The seed is fine. The seed, as we said, is the word of God. The potential of the word, the potential of the seed is endless, but we know the potential of the seed is based on the environment in which it's sown. The potential of the seed is threatened by the different environments. 
and it's threatened daily. And these are the things I want to look at. There are things that will threaten the survival of the seed and therefore threaten its potential to bear fruit. The Word of God in your life should bear fruit. When you hear the Word of God or when you read the Word of God, it's supposed to bear fruit in your life. The promises of God need to be fruitful in your life. Whenever you come across preaching that is comes from the Word of God, you should hear it and it should bear fruit in your life. Whenever you read it in your silent places, you should have understanding and bear fruit. But Jesus spoke this parable to the multitude because he explained that not every seed that is sown will actually grow and bear fruit. You see, I've heard people say that because there's four different types of ground, That means that 25% of the work of the gospel uh, won't produce anything. I don't really subscribe to that. Uh, Jesus said that some fell here and some fell there. So yes, some will, but but I don't believe it's that big, that 25%, only 25% of the gospel would do anything. Uh, But we do, we must have to accept that uh, everything that is sown, uh, some of it uh, actually won't go on to bear fruit. Some of it will actually be hindered. I want to look at three areas uh, in where this is actually hindered in your and my life. Hopefully we can understand that and overcome and bear fruit because how many know God's desire for you is to bear fruit? God's desire for you is to be fruitful in every area of your life. If it wasn't so, he wouldn't have gone to such great lengths to give himself and sow himself. He wants to see fruit. So the first element that threatens the hinders or hinders your fruitfulness in our lives comes from the external. Comes from external things specifically seeking to take away what God has deposited in your life. Look at verse number 15. It says, There were those that fall by the wayside where the word is sown. And it says, When they hear Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. In other words, there is an opposing force that is willing to bring the fight to you. There's an opposing force that wants to come to you intentionally and bring the fight to you. Our scripture says where the seed is sown, then Satan comes. In other words, seed, then Satan seed, then Satan comes to try and disrupt what has happened. It happened in the Garden of Eden. Listen, God created the universe, created the world, put man and woman in it. We understand they came and when that all happened, when God planted that seed, Satan came immediately start to speak to Eve, start to try and demonically inspire them. It happened in Egypt. Listen, when Israel had been planted into Egypt, i.e. Joseph brought his family into Egypt, they start to grow, start to bear fruit. And then what happened? Then uh, Satan tried to come and tried to take out all the babies. That's why they had to hide Moses away to try to take it out. Because when something's brewing, Satan comes to try and distract it. Happened in Bethlehem. We understand that Jesus Christ entering the world now, the saviour of the universe comes as a baby. And what does the king try to do? He tries to cease the existence of the saviour. He didn't know who it was, so he tried to kill all the babies under a certain age. Because when the seed comes, Satan comes as well. We see this in salvation, when people are new in Christ. I've seen this so many times. Someone gets saved 
powerfully saved. They have an encounter with Jesus Christ. There we see the Word of God. A seed has been planted, but then something somewhere comes to try and hinder the fruitfulness. We see people come, situations come to hinder the fruitfulness. I remember, I've told this story before. I remember, listen, when I, before I got saved, uh, me and my friends, we were doing all sorts of, of, of madness, uh, trying to be promiscuous and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some people, there was one guy in our group uh, who wasn't really, uh, uh, you know, didn't really have the, the gift of the gab, didn't really know how to speak uh, to uh, the opposite sex. So it just didn't really happen for him. Uh, but when he got saved, all of a sudden the people, the girls he was chasing, started chasing him. Because there's a seed that's been planted, and when the seed is planted, Satan comes to try and take out the seed. In the book of Zechariah, the prophet is trying to encourage the children of Israel. And he's saying you should return to the construction of the ruined temple, return to the construction. He is relaying God's word to them, and he speaks a number of visions to them. And this is one of the visions he speaks in Zechariah 3 and verse number 1. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. Think about the imagery there. Think about what's going on here in the heavenlies. You have an angel of God trying to do the will of God. But then on the other side, you have Satan standing to oppose. In other words, anything good in your life, Satan is trying to stand to oppose you. He wants to stand to bring some uh, distraction, try to take you off the will of God. Satan wants to take away what God has put in your life. We see this also in Revelation. So not just people that are new in Christ, but people that are growing in Christ. How many of the master continually sows seeds in your life? As we grow, he's continually sowing seeds in your life and expecting fruit. But as seeds are sown, Satan can come immediately. And now all of a sudden, doubt can start to creep in. We know that Jesus said, listen, ask and you shall receive. But look what James says in chapter 1, verse number 6. It says, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. If God can plant a seed of faith in you, Satan would try and put some doubt in you to cause that seed not to bear fruit. I've seen one of the phenomenons in my life is when people get filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've never seen it before, it is a sight to behold where people are, are praying and they're asking God, fill me with this spirit. And we start to see an infilling of the Holy Spirit by the evidence of speaking in tongues, the evidence of speaking in a new tongue. Well, I've also seen how people can immediately become unfruitful because as they begin to try and exercise what God has given them, a new heavenly language that God has deposited, all of a sudden they've got things in their minds saying, you're just speaking gibberish. You're just speaking nonsense. You're over-emotional. Doesn't make sense. This isn't biblically true. All sorts of things start to come into mind. What that is, is the enemy trying to make seed become unfruitful. Because when Jesus deposits something in your life, he declares he wants it to be fruitful. And when seed is deposited, Satan comes. 
So the first thing that we look at that kind of hinders the fruitfulness of God or the fruitfulness of the seed comes from the external. It is an external force of somebody coming to try and take you out. And how does Satan do this? Many, many ways he can do this. One of the ways is people. I said that right. Listen, people, you know that Satan can use people to do his will. Did you know that? You know, people can be demonically inspired. Listen, I'm not saying your co-worker is the devil. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is they can be demonically inspired. I'm not saying your ex is, is the she-devil. But listen, I am saying that they can be demonically inspired. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 33. It says, do not be deceived. Just pause there. I always say this. Whenever the Bible says, do not be deceived, it's because we can be deceived. The Bible says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. In other words, you used to be good, but then you, when you hang around this certain type of people, this certain group of people, all of a sudden, you're swearing now. <laughs> all of a sudden now, you're, you're walking a certain way. All of a sudden, you're trying to act different. You ever seen people that act differently when they're around a certain group of people? Come on, you ever seen people that, that look at it, bro, Joseph, what are you doing here? Man, nah, my name's Killer Joe, man. Don't be calling me Joseph here, man. <laughs> It's like, what's, what's going on here? Because, because something, come, something comes over you. Something comes over when you're, when you're in the presence uh, that corrupts of, of evil people. But you know, people or people can be used by the enemy. In other words, I've seen people get saved or people make righteous decisions. And then all of a sudden, people come out of the woodwork and start to tell you the decision you're making is wrong. The thing that you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. Why are you getting married so young? That is wrong. Why can't you just live out your life? experience life first. Go do everything together. And then before you made a right decision, they couldn't care less about your life. But now you're making right decisions. All of a sudden, they've got an opinion to tell you about yourself. They're trying to snatch the seed so that it can't bear fruit. Another way Satan comes is entertainment. Listen, I I always have to throw this in here every couple of weeks, every couple of months, because uh, you need to understand uh, that one of the devil's pulpit is entertainment. That's one of his pulpits. Come on now, preach. Psalms 101, verse number three. This is what the psalmist says. says, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. You know, when we decide to uh, uh, choose forms of entertainment, what we're doing, we're allowing the external to come and dwell on the internal. And all you've got to do is just spend some time. The next time you watch whatever it is, just spend some time analyzing it from a biblical perspective and what may seem so innocent, what may seem so, oh, this is just fun, this is just, this is my series, I like this. Just spend some time, just focus on what you're, because sometimes we can just watch and just, 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 it just comes, but focus on it. And I guarantee you, you will start to see that the enemy is trying to take away anything that God is trying to do in your life. And any form of, 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 of righteousness that wants to bear fruit in your life, the enemy would use entertainment to try and snatch that away. So now you become unfruitful because of what you set before your eyes. The psalmist said, I'm not going to set anything wicked before my eyes, because I 
I know the, the day I set something wicked before my eyes, I can become unfruitful. And all of a sudden you realise why I can't break through in these certain areas in my life. Why am I starting to have these thoughts in my life? Why do I feel these anxious feelings in my life? Because you're setting wickedness before your eyes and you're becoming unfruitful. Seed that is planted should bear fruit. With the external, we need to take precaution. You know, the famous scripture in Ephesians 6 talks about the armour of God and it mentions uh, we should have up the shield of faith so that we can quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Now, I find fiery darts, the use of that terminology, interesting because of the type of weapon it is. It's a long-range long weapon. In other words, you can have walls outside, but a fiery dart can go over the walls. It's something that comes from the external and tries to cause damage on the internal. It can go across borders. It can come across protective walls. It's something that can be fired across. We need to be wary and take precaution of the things that are firing across you know one of the travesties that happened obviously on on all this um uh this uh it, the, the war in israel at the moment one of the things that i found was a just a travesty is that is that they was minding their business and things came over to them an external force came over and started to them and started throwing missiles to them that's like the devil we could be minding our own business and and all of a sudden external things can start to come in and try and hinder us First thing that stops the fruitfulness of the seed comes from the external. I want to look secondly at the internal. The second element, element that hinders fruit comes from the internal. Look at verse number 16 of our text. It says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And look at verse number 17. It says, And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward, when the tribulation or persecution arises from the, word, from, from the word's sake, immediately they stumble. You know, evangelist Rod Gibson preached a, a fantastic sermon here Sunday morning called A Right Heart. And I so appreciate that ministry there. He used the scripture, Proverbs 4 and verse number 23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You see, because many things, or, 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 we've talked about the external, but the internal is just as important because sometimes unfruitfulness can be because of a character issue. We can become unfruitful because of the heart that we have. We can become unfruitful because the Bible says, listen, if you're not willing to forgive your brother, your father in heaven will not forgive you. So now we become unfruitful in forgiveness because of our character flaws, because of our character issues. We need to keep our heart with all diligence because unfruitfulness doesn't just come from the external, from Satan trying to track us and pull us away. It can come from the internal. We can become unfruitful because of our jealousy. Did you know that? Come on, we become unfruitful because of our envy. We become unfruitful because every time you open your mouth, there's a lie. There's no integrity. Have you ever met people that just lie for no reason? Just, just lie. Just lie for the sake of it. Listen, where are you? Oh, yeah, I was sick. You wasn't sick. You just didn't want to turn up to work. Why is that coming out of your mouth? You become unfruitful. You don't stand in the favor of God because of a character issue. You know, I say one of, one of the sayings I say is that... Um, 
Sometimes you can be the only Bible a sinner will read. And sometimes the way we speak to people, it's like, do you even know who Jesus is? Come on, in church, we're raising our hands. We're worshiping God. But we get in our car, someone crosses over us and we're spitting all sorts of things out the windows. Roadways takes us. And you become unfruitful with all that you've just heard the preacher say. It doesn't bear any fruit because we're not willing to let go of anger. We're not willing to let the fruit of the Spirit be born in our life. One of which is self-control. Can you say amen in this place? If only we all had self-control. If only we would do what Jesus said when we said, listen, when somebody slaps you in your face, what you should do is slap them back. That's what he said, right? That's not what he said. Jesus said when somebody slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek. But that deposit in your life becomes unfruitful when you're unwilling to let go of anger. The first thing that hinders fruit is coming from the external. Second is internal. I want to look thirdly at the material. Verse number 18 of our text, the Bible says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. You know, this is interesting because the word there, the deceitfulness of riches, or the phrase, shall I say, the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, is that the riches that we all kind of want to chase after, if we're honest, then we're, you know, we, you know, if I was to say, listen, uh, who wants a million pounds right here? I don't think anyone would say, no, I'm fine, thanks, I'm cool. Right, because there is that kind of, in the world that we live in, in society, because of what money represents, it can get goods and services, it can get you things, get you places and so on. It is a kind of, there is a pull, there is a kind of chase towards this. But the Bible says there is a deceitfulness in riches. And that is so true. I've not lived that long. But in my life, I do see that whatever amount of money I make is never enough. Who's with me on that one? Or you guys are all cool, right? Well, it doesn't matter what figure it is I make. I'll be dreaming of that figure. Once I get that figure, I'll be like, praise God. It'll only take a couple of weeks before I start thinking, actually, let me just get a little bit more. And when you get that, let me, let me just get a little bit more. That's what it's talking about, the deceitfulness of riches. In other words, it's never going to be enough because we're looking for it to fill a hole that only Jesus Christ can fill. It says the desires for other things begin to choke the word and the word becomes unfruitful. You know, in Mark chapter 8, verse number 35, Jesus says, Forever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. There's many things that we're not willing to trade in you know in covid times and i don't know if other people did this but in covid times there was a lot of people that jumped on uh investments there was trading trading uh digital currency trading all these things and uh, loads of people were jumping on trading because they had no they had nowhere to go loads of time on their hands some people had a lot of money so they're just trading but one of the one of the things or one of the phrases that came out of trading was you should only invest what you're willing to lose um, and that is, uh, that, that's, that's wise advice, it's sound advice. Uh, but I say that because uh, some people are not willing to lose their life. Uh, and Jesus said it's those people that will actually find their life. 
It's those people that actually find it. So it is, a, a, is a, a, an issue of position now. They're saying, listen, I can come to church when I'm ready or when I've got time. But listen, man's got to eat. I've got to find work. I've got to find a job that will support my family. And that is true. But there has to be a position in it. There's some things you should turn down for the will of God. There are some things that you should not do because of the will of God. But if that kind of shifts, the Bible says when you start to desire other things, above God, then if the seed that is sown in your life becomes unfruitful. The goal is to become fruitful. Jesus wants your life to be fruitful. And there are many things that can make us unfruitful. So I want to talk finally then about the good ground. We want to be fruitful. How many here want to be fruitful in this place? We want the good ground in this place. It's found here in verse number 20. Bible says, but these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. So here we see an equation. First, we have to hear the word. Um, and in order to hear the, word, you've, hear the word, you've got to be in a position in order to do so. There has to be a proximity to the source in order to hear the word. In other words, put yourself in position to hear the word. Put yourself in the house of God. Be in church every time these doors are open. Crack open your Bible. Have devotion in order to hear the word. Grasp the word. See what the seed is actually saying in your life. And then when we come to hearing the word, we then must accept it. And to accept the word means to be a doer. Now we know that the Bible says we shouldn't only be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And that's how we accept it. There's some things I've had to come to grips with or come to terms with. Um, the things that we experience in your, if you're, if, you're, if you're in a church that preaches the Bible, you experience that. Term. One of the things we experience is conviction. Now, conviction isn't a bad thing. Condemnation is a bad thing. Condemnation says there's no hope for you. Conviction is like a sting. It pricks you, but it forces you to make a decision. There's many times where I've heard the word of God, I've read the word of God, and conviction hurts. I have to come to a place where I have to accept it. And once I have accepted it, it's only then that I can then begin to bear fruit. And the Bible says some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. I have to hear, then accept, and only then will I be able to bear fruit. So some of us here can be unfruitful in certain areas of our life. Dare I say, because you've heard the word, but there's parts of it you're not willing to accept. And if you're not willing to accept it, fruitfulness can't come. You may know the word. There's some people I've heard, uh, we were talking about submission a while ago. Uh, some people saying this, I'm not willing to submit. You've heard the word, but you're not willing to accept it. Therefore, fruitfulness can't come out of relationships now. Listen, with the word, if we're preaching from the word of God, you have conviction. Your job is to accept it. And once that happens, we'll begin to bear fruit. I believe God is speaking to us tonight because he wants to see you become fruitful in the areas that you're currently unfruitful in. Can you 
you say amen in this place. Uh, there are some areas that all of us uh, are currently unfruitful, uh, but God wants us to be fruitful. Uh, he wants to come to your tree uh, and have a look and see fruit. And the Bible says uh, when he sees fruit, he will prune it uh, so that you'll begin to bear more fruit. Uh, we have to be fruitful in our lives and have to be aware of uh, the external attacks uh, that cause unfruitfulness. Uh, the internal things are character issues that cause us to be unfruitful. Our desires for material things that cause us to be unfruitful because when it's all said and done, all that matters is the fruit that we will produce. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. You won't know them by anything else. The way we know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ is by your fruit. So churches now is a time that we need to be fruitful in areas that we are currently unfruitful in. Where in your life is there an unfruitful patch? Where in your life is there some barrenness? Where in your life is there something that just looks dead? Where in your life where is there is a dark area? Well, tonight is time to become fruitful in that area. Can you say amen in this place? It's time in that specific area to bear fruit. Wherever it is, whatever it is you're lacking in this particular area, God wants you to know that he has sowed seed in your life and, and he wants that to bear fruit. Be aware of the external. Understand the internal. Position your life so you're not putting the material above the kingdom of God. Hear the word of God. Accept the word of God and then bear fruit. Some 30-fold some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Can you say amen in this place? Come on, let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes in this place. Fruitfulness.